So welcome to Confessions of a Serial Seller. My guest today is an expert sales coach, trainer, and author of two books. He's the founder of Everybody Works in Sales, and he's the author of Everybody Works in Sales, and his second book about to be released, The Easy Guide to Sales for Business Owners. Niraj Kapoor, thank you so much for joining me. Tony, it's a pleasure. We, I mean, it's taken us almost a year. We've finally got this together. Thank you so, so much. Oh, my pleasure and honor to have you on board. So I mean, thank you for giving me your time. So I always like to start, Niraj, just learn it for my audience to hear and learn about how you got into sales from whatever age it was and how you got to, to be that expert coach and trainer like you now are. Sure. Um, so I wanted to be a rock star when I was young. <laughs> and um, I recorded demo tapes and I left, I, I grew up in Northern Ireland, as you can tell by my accent, my parents yeah. are Indian, I grew up in Northern Ireland, and my parents are very conservative Indian, so you can imagine the horror when I told my highly educated parents, <laughs> and I'm not going to be a doctor, and uh, I failed all my exams, I'm going to be a rock star, and I was a great <laughs> piano player and a great drummer, yeah. unfortunately I was a terrible singer, but nobody told me <laughs> I was a terrible yeah. singer. And I'm just so glad there was no reality shows in those days. I would have been crucified. And, um, you know, I recorded some demo tapes, came to London, didn't know anybody, found it very lonely. And I went to CBS and Polygram and all the record companies back then yeah. uh, for my demo tapes. And everybody rejected it. And this was my dream in life. And I was so humiliated. I spent the next two years of my life unemployed on the dole uh, as a hermit being angry at the whole world and being bitter and disappointed. I was a real mess, actually. Mm. It wasn't a good place to be. Mm. And then one day my father flew over from Belfast saying, look, you've got to sort yourself out. I mean, you can't yeah. do this anymore. You try, you give it your shot. I'm proud of you. You failed. Get a job. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. And for, unfortunately, it's really, you know, 25 years ago, it was very hard getting a job without a degree. Yeah, and uh, the only job I could get was in sales. And back in those days, at the back of the Evening Standard, you would have adverts saying our top salesperson earned two thousand pounds this week. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. I remember it. Applications needed. Oh, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I went for the interview, and I got it in like ten minutes. I'm like, this is fantastic. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be rich and successful. And um, I started the following Monday, and they gave me a script, A4 script, yeah. and told me to learn it. And I said, sure, you know, 60 minutes. So I learned it in 60 minutes. I got on the phone. I, I was talking and talking. The client objected, and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and I'm like, what do I say? And my boss said, keep talking, keep talking. So I just kept talking. And they kept hanging up on me, and I didn't know what I was doing wrong. It was just awful. And what were you selling there? What was your first role? Well, that, this is the problem. So I was selling a gun magazine. They were doing machine guns. And because I had an Irish accent and they had problems with the IRA and terrorism in the early 90s, people were terrified of me. <laughs> speak to me. They kept hanging up and please don't call me. It, it, it was amazing. So I started looking for jobs where I had some trainings. I realized somebody had to train me. Yeah. And that was the first big lesson, I think, in sales, Tony. Yeah. So I, I applied for a few jobs and everybody kept saying no. And one day I just waited at this company called Centaur Media. The Centaur mm -hmm. Media were a beast of a company in the 80s and 90s. They had about 50 magazines. They were the, mm -hmm. one of the top publishers in the country. And the head of HR really admired my persistence. And she gave me a chance. And that was it. I got one week's full training. Uh, back in those days, it would have been Dipida, IATA, you know, things like yeah. that. ABC, always be closing. Very 1990s. Yeah. And after a week, I was a classified sales executive. Now, to fast forward that, I kind of 
for the 10 years I was there, I was, I would describe myself as being above average. I worked harder than everybody else. I um, really took care of my clients Mm. and I really cared, but those were the only skills I had because I had a week's training after Mm -hmm. about a month, I'd forgotten it and nobody trained me for 10 more years. (laughs) That's a problem salespeople have. They're not trained regularly. So I was just slightly above average, but it was enough to make me successful, earn enough commission, Mm. get a house, I got married, I then got headhunted by the Guardian, so my career to another level for six years. Again, I was slightly above average, maybe maybe not slightly, but above average. Say very good at the Guardian, not brilliant, but very good. Yeah. I asked better questions. I worked even harder. Uh, people at the Guardian couldn't pick up the phone. I could. Yeah. And that set me apart from most people. But it wasn't until 2010 the recession came. Yeah. And I found myself out of work for the first time in 15 years. And mm. it was very difficult for me. My ego took a real battering. Mm. And the kind of worst thing that could possibly have happened to me happened. Mm. Um, I lost my hair. So you know, <laughs> not, not only did I lose my job, I lost my hair. And I thought, oh my God, I'm not a man anymore. It was just awful. So and, you must uh, be a rock star again. That was just not happening now, right? <laughs> that was just not happening. I mean, I thought, we don't need more bald Indian men with strong accents. Trust me, we just don't. <laughs> Uh, you know? um, so luckily, um, there was two companies interested. One was called UBM, and one was called Informa, and both often offered training programs to be a manager. Mm. And my ex, my ex boss, she was my wife at the time. She was brilliant at saying, "Look, you've got to be a manager. Stop being a salesman. You've got to really learn how how to coach people and take care of people." So Informa actually paid me less money, mm. but they offered more training. And so I did something I'd never done in my life. I took mm. a less paid job because I knew I'd get trained. And yeah. from the first day I got trained, my career skyrocketed because it was training every month. I yeah. had a mentor as well. And my career absolutely skyrocketed from 2011. Fantastic, fantastic. And, and how did you get to set up Everybody Works in Sales from that point? Well, I had five years at the former and the first four years were the best of my career. I got promoted from you know junior sales manager to sales manager to global sales manager. Mm. Uh, I got pay rise after pay rise. Instead of earning ten or fifteen thousand pound commission a year, it was twenty, then yeah. thirty, then thirty-seven, and all of a sudden I'm having a great living. But in the fifth year, there was a change of CEO. There was a restructure. I kind of lost my love of the job. Yes. And I went to another company called Caspian, and they ended up going into liquidation. And then I joined another company. I'm like, I'm just not enjoying this anymore. I didn't know quite why, but mm. I wanted to focus more on the coaching because coaching was what I really loved doing. Yeah. And it's what I really enjoyed doing, but I didn't have the guts to leave my comfort of my corporate job. Yeah. Because corporate jobs are very comfortable. You get a great salary. If you perform well, you get bonuses, you get commissions, you get perks, you get a lot of nice things. You just don't get running your own business. So Absolutely. I thought, why would I give that up for? <laughs> yeah. reason. Um, and I wrote a book. Um, I just figured, you know, I've traveled in the world so much, no matter what country I've been to, yeah. most people can't sell. Yeah. So I've read a lot of great sales books from people we admire, like Jeff Blunt, yeah. uh, like Anthony Anarino, you know, yeah. Jeffrey Gitterman, all, all the greats. Absolutely. And I thought, how do I compete with them, Tony? I can't because they're just, they're better than me. So what I chose to do was I chose to write a story uh, about my life in sales. And each chapter of the story was a lesson I learned. No. So because of the storytelling, 
the book took off massively through word of mouth, especially. Yeah. And it just kept selling. And then all of a sudden, I'm number 74 in the chart next to Simon Sinek. Started wow. wow. So I took a picture and I put it on LinkedIn and it sold more copies. I'm number 15 in the chart next to Brian Tracy. Wow. And suddenly I'm next to number 34 in the chart next to Warren Buffett. And Incredible. the highest I got was number 17 next to Richard Branson, losing my virginity. Yeah, that's amazing. That was incredible. I took a picture, put it on LinkedIn. It sold another, you know, sold loads more copies, loads more Kindles, and it was great. And that's really how my business took off. It came from book royalties, which is the last thing I would have thought of. But yeah. That gave me the confidence to launch my business. Amazing. Well, you clearly had a lot of success in sales, and you touched on earlier, Niraj, the three, the three traits i guess that enabled you to be more successful than others you said that you embraced training you asked better questions you worked harder and, and i think some of the people have struggled out of the garden is you were you were happy and comfortable to pick up the phone but apart from those things what do you believe having now learned and worked with so many salespeople, what do you believe it really takes now to be a top sales performer well, at this moment in time, it's first uh, of April 2020, and you and I both know the whole world has changed dramatically because of the virus. Yeah. And, you know, I would say ABC has changed. So ABC for decades was always be closing. Yeah. And uh, now it's always be caring. Um, and like I would say I'm caring massively. So for two weeks, a lot of myself, a lot of my sales training clients, we lost so much of our business. Yes. Because events were postponed. Yeah, uh, training sessions have been cancelled. All of a sudden, my revenue plummeted by eighty percent. That's kind of a terrifying place to be. Yeah. And so what I did was I did something I haven't done for a long time. For two weeks, I stopped selling. Mm. I stopped prospecting. I just helped all my clients, even the ones who cancelled. I said, okay, you know what? You've got no money. You've been my client for many months. I'm still going to keep helping you. So I kept doing training with them. Yeah. I kept sharing content. I said, look, this article is going to go live at midday on LinkedIn, but it's nine o'clock in the morning. I'm giving you an advanced copy, okay? And I did that with my best customers. I really valued and treasured them for two weeks. And what happened was two of them came back to me just because I cared. I didn't ask yeah. them to come back. They immediately came back. And one other client and I kept me on a bit longer only because mm -hmm. I took great care of them. So you're really going to be caring for your clients right now and saying, look, mm -hmm. I know you haven't got any money, but how can I support you? How can I help your team? What can I do to really show that I care? Because that just positions you differently to every sales trainer and every person out there trying to sell right now. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And you said that, you know, the Guardian people couldn't pick up the phone. What, in your valued opinion, what, yeah, I still feel that happens even now. Why do you believe it was then? And what prevents salespeople from just picking up the phone? Well, The Guardian used to be a very respected and very well-known brand in the world of media. And back in 2008, 2009, it was still a powerhouse. It was. But the problem was, when the recession kind of hit, they stopped getting incoming inquiries. And the mm. place went from being quite busy to being like a library. And yeah. Nobody picked up the phone. And I figured, you know what? I got a wife. I got a daughter. I have a mortgage. I have no choice. <laughs> so for me, picking up the phone wasn't something I really wanted to do. I kind of had no choice. So if I didn't do it, I wouldn't get my commission. Yeah. A lot of people in London pay rent. That's fine. But I live 50 miles from London. I wanted to have a lovely country house. I wanted to have a driveway. I wanted to have a garden. I wanted to have neighbors who said good morning. That yeah. was my decision. That's what I wanted in life. So I left London when my daughter was young. 
and I've lived in Milton Keynes for um, 18 years now. And I absolutely love it here. Yeah. So that was my lifestyle. And for me to pay a, a big house, to take care of my daughter, uh, my wife had just started her business at the time. So she wasn't as successful as she is now. But yeah. so I had huge financial responsibility. So for me, picking up the phone was no choice. I just didn't have a choice. Um, I think now people are terrified of picking up the phone. I would say for a number of reasons. The main reason is they haven't been trained properly. Yeah. Most salespeople, sadly, nowadays are trained by a boss who used to be a great sales executive and has now become a sales manager because the company didn't want to hire a recruitment consultancy to get a good sales manager. Yeah. So they just promoted somebody internally. Uh, and then what yeah. happened was that manager was like so stressed because being a manager is a really stressful job. Yeah. And they're just, guys, just copy what I do. Or just, you know, look at the company handbook, for God's sake. Or just, yeah. you know, watch YouTube. They're not trained properly. Yeah. And if you want any team to be successful, they have to have regular sales training, which is effective sales training. Yeah. Not sales training once once a year. That's not good enough. It has to be regular sales training. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that otherwise habits are just not going to be formed, right? Oh, 100%. Because bear in mind, research shows 50% of what you learn you forget the next day. 95% of what you learn, you forget in a week. That's why when people hire me to be a sales trainer, yeah. don't forget it because I always give, I always work with the management to make sure a boss or a manager is always in the room, yeah. not trained, so they can keep their team accountable anyway. And then I give a courtesy call a week later to say, okay, so what have we learned? What are you implementing? The takeaways that you promised me you would implement a week ago, how have you done with that? And yeah. most sales trainers, to my surprise, don't do that, Tony. And yeah. that's one of the things that kind of separates me from the other training companies out there is Love that it. I follow up. Yeah. Love it. And what would you say, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but what would you say if there were your three best sales tips that you coach and train people, your clients? I know your clients are very diverse, but if there were your three golden tips, what would they be? Um, First tip is something we mentioned earlier, which is ask great questions. Yeah. And the second thing, which is really key, which salespeople are terrible at, is listen. So mm. don't just listen to what they're saying. Listen to what they're not saying. Mm. And listen to their tone when they mm. talk about the competition. Listen to their tone when they talk about their staff. Mm. You know, you can you can pick up so much just by listening to people. It's incredible. Mm. Um, and the third thing is, do not, whatever you do, don't rush the sale. Because what a lot of salespeople do is they call you up, they give you some features and benefits, and they try and rush a meeting or rush a sale. And the mm -hmm. sale, you know, the sale should come at the very, very end. Uh, at the beginning, it should be questions. It should be listening. It should be giving value, asking more questions. It should be recapping. Yeah. You, know, you should have pause. There's a whole process involved that people really don't understand. But don't rush the sale, because if you do, you're going to lose it, and that client's going to go into your pipeline as a prospect, and it's going to stay as a prospect for a year, and yeah. nothing's going to happen. No, I think that's very fair. And, and for my listeners, you know, your first thing you said, and I totally agree, is ask better questions. But for my listeners who may be struggling in that domain, what's your best advice of how they can create these better questions? Well, that's, a, that's actually a really good, that's a good question. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, a big mistake people make is they'll call a, a, a decision maker up and we'll get them on the phone and they'll start off with, so, so what keeps you awake at night? I'm like, go away. I don't know you. Stop asking me. No, you have to yeah. position your questions right. So what I always say is when you call a decision maker, 
always call for a reason. So when I call somebody, even mm -hmm. a cold call, which I still do, mm -hmm. I don't just start asking questions. I will say, I read your interview online or I saw the blog on your website. So at least it gives me credibility because 90% of salespeople don't do research at all. Yeah. They just call people up. So once I've established that credibility, I will then say, I, I always find that future-based questions are very powerful. Mm. So I will say, you know, what are the biggest challenges you see happening in your industry over the next six months? And that's a good question to ask because it's a future-based question. Yeah. And you're kind of asking their advice. Yeah. And I often get a very good response. If I say to somebody, what kind of budget do you have? Or what keeps you awake at night? I've been told quite a few times, mind your own business or get lost. So yeah, I think yeah. it has to be a time and a place. You have to know somebody quite well to say a question like that. But the first question I always ask is, you know, what are the biggest impacts happening in your business over the next six months? Yeah. I love how is that affecting your sales team? Yeah. And what are the biggest challenges? What are the three biggest challenges your sales team have right now? Yeah. And those are really good questions to ask because they, they always create a conversation. People don't yeah. go, no. Or they don't go, uh, three quick answers. They often talk about it in a bit more detail. And ultimately, when you ask a question, you always want somebody to reply in a bit of detail because that leads to more questions and it leads to a more organic conversation. And yeah. ultimately, sales should be an organic conversation. It shouldn't be awkward and stilted. Totally. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, which is why well, I'm never a fan of scripts like they used to have back in the day, right? Oh, scripts are terrible. Scripts yeah. cause so many problems. Now I got to the point where people call me because I do accept cold calls every day, probably only maybe five a day. I don't get many cold calls anymore. Yeah. But five people a day will call me. Yeah. I know how difficult it is cold calling. So I always give somebody 30 seconds, always. Yeah. And after 30 seconds, I always say, look, before we speak any further, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and usually four out of five people can't tell me or I hear them quickly typing into Google my name to see what I do. It's incredible. And I say, look, with the greatest of respect, if you don't know what I do, why on earth would I do business with you? Absolutely. And they often say, I'm sorry. Or in some cases, they just hang up sometimes. They're so rude. Some say, just hang up. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and it's incredible. But you have to know somebody. You have to know what somebody does and what their business does. I mean, you get people like Benjamin Dennehy, who's a different kind of trainer, who's very, very good. Yeah. But he appeals to a different market. Yeah. He appeals to people who will make, say, 50, 60 phone calls a day. Yeah. My clients don't do that. My clients will make, say, between five up to, say, maybe 20 phone calls a day at the most. Yeah, and exactly. that's my audience. So they have time to prepare, to think, and to do things that way. And that, that's personally how I think they should be done, which yeah. is why those are the clients I go after. And on, you, you touched on a nice tip there about when you're, you know, cold calling, prospecting, whatever we call it, but always do your research and, and have, say, like, I read, I, I watch your, listen to your podcast, watch the webinar, read your article. So, as you said, you build credibility. What's your best advice or suggestions, Niraj, for people who cold call now of how they can make great impact in that first maybe 30 seconds? Uh, the best thing is the only time I would say you must ever have a script, the only time, is when you want to practice your opening. Because yeah. your opening, when you cold call somebody, you have approximately three seconds to about 10 seconds. That's pretty yeah. much it. Before the person decides what they want to call you. And if I call somebody go, hi, I'm Neeraj Kapoor. I'm an expert sales coach and trainer. I've written two best-selling books. I spent 25 years in London. I just want to have two minutes of your time. I'm going to go away. We yeah. don't care. If I call up and say, um, I read your LinkedIn post just now about how you're going through change in the next 12 months. I really love what you said about this, this, and this. Yeah. It's quite rare somebody goes, 
what are you selling me? They'll often go, oh, thank you. I'm like, no, I, I thought it was really great. And mm. the reason I wanted to talk to you is because I work with customers like XXX. And XXX will be their competitors, or it'll be companies like Barclays and Sainsbury's who are very well known. Yeah. And I said, I work them on this. And all I wanted to do was have a chat with you to see, you know, understand more about your business. I can't really sell to you because I have no idea what you want. And I'd like to talk mm. to you a bit more about your business. And because I've done the research and because I'm a best selling author, I'm hoping to get just a few minutes of your time. If it's not for you, I won't bother you again, but I thought it's at least worth having a chat. Yeah. I would say, 20 to 30 percent of the time that works yeah um maybe say 20 30 percent of the time they'll say send me an email yeah and the rest of the time they'll say not interested yeah so you know 30, 20 to 30 percent is quite high for me i would say it's quite high in general in yeah calls. so i haven't quite worked out the 50 percent or 100 percent yet but, yeah. <laughs> but that works very well for the client that i coach as well absolutely and what i know you're very you know you read a lot of books you, you name you know you shared some of the the three sales greats that I've, I've been very lucky to have on my podcast, like Jeff Blunt, Gittimer, Anthony, Anthony Anarino. So some incredible guys. What's the best sales advice that you've ever been given, either from what you've read, heard, or, or a mentor shared with you? Um, something, I guess, is a mixture of what Anthony Anarino, Jeff Blunt, and Jeffrey Gittimer said. My first mentor said this to me, every day, do half an hour of sales learning. Um, every day, no matter what. Uh, five days a week, no matter what, don't make an excuse, spend 30 days learning about sales. And that's the best thing you can do because the more you learn about sales, it's all saying from, you know, everybody from Jim Rowan to Tony mm. Robbins, the more you learn, the more you earn. And that's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I couldn't agree with you more. And what would you say on that? What's the best books that have the most impact on, on your life? Uh, I would say in terms of the last five or six years, the best sales books I've read, Jeffrey Gittimer's uh, Little Red Book of Selling is a classic. Yeah. Uh, it's also quite a fun book, which I quite like. Sales books aren't really fun, but this is a really fun book. Yeah. Um, I would say Anthony Anarino, The Only Sales Guide You'll Ever Need is terrific. All his books are terrific. That's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, with Jeb, I'd probably say Fanatical Prospecting. That's great. Uh, I do like Objections as well. He's Again, he's a great author. Uh, yeah. Mark Hunter's a terrific author, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, so many of these guys are great. I mean, in the last six months to a year, there hasn't been that many great sales books, but mm. the two recent ones I liked that were very good was uh, Larry Levine, Selling from the Heart. He's amazing. Uh, I, I, I think that was really nice. Yeah, he's And uh, a good friend of ours, Daniel Disney, uh, The Million Pound LinkedIn Message. I thought that was very different because it just yeah. focused on LinkedIn. But again, that's a terrific book written with Dan's typical energy and charisma. Yeah. And very easy and a very valuable book to read. Yeah, no, great recommendations. I love them all. And what would you say in your career of selling to date, what sale in particular are you probably most proud of and what are the lessons that you've taken from that sale? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I'd probably say when I was at the Guardian, there was a mobile phone company that used to be called Orange. Mm. And they were then bought by probably EE or T-Mobile or some, I think it was T-Mobile bought them or O2. But yeah, Orange used to be a beast of a mobile phone company. Yeah, I remember. And I, I met them with my boss at the Guardian at the time. And at the end of the uh, meeting that we had, uh, he leaned over to me and said, that was the best sales meeting I've ever had. I'm like, oh, thank you. He goes, yeah. ask you why and he goes you didn't talk about the guardian non-stop you, you came in prepared you understood my business you knew yeah. how we worked 
you knew so much about us, more than half my own staff know, and you asked brilliant questions, and all you talked about was how you could help us, and I really appreciate that. I'm like, oh, thank you. And that was a great learning lesson for me. Yeah. When somebody tells you, research a business like mad, you ask great questions, you care about them. Yeah. Again, these things are consistent. They, they were really important in 2010. They're really important in 2020. Certain things in sales have changed dramatically, and certain things will never change. And I really hope those three consistencies never change. No, I couldn't agree more. And just touch on what you just said there. What do you think has changed in sales in maybe the past decade? Well, I think in the past, you could often call people saying, look, um, I got a special offer on today. It's a half price deal. You know, our magazine goes to press, and are, are you interested? Yeah. You actually have some luck, believe it or not. Now you can't really call with feature-led offers. You can't mm. really call up with special offers anymore. Yeah. You really have to call up with a really good reason. People have so many options now, yeah. and they don't have to choose you anymore. So you really got to do your homework. And I'm still shocked and surprised when I go into companies and I listen to sales phone calls. How many people call and go, hi, how was your weekend? I hope you're well. I'm like, oh, yeah. my God, stop talking. Yeah. People don't really have time for that nonsense anymore. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying be rude, but when I call people, I never say, how was your weekend, unless I know them very well. Absolutely. If I don't know somebody and I say, how was your weekend, half the time it's like, oh, God, what are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> Certain niceties and politenesses like this, you have to stop. And again, most people aren't trained properly in sales, yeah. so they don't do this. Um, the other problem people make is they still send very long emails. Most emails can be cut by 50%. Stop sending long emails. Yeah. Okay. And never send me an email with an attachment ever unless I've asked you to. Because again, people are busy. If I don't know you and you send me an attachment, it's going straight into my junk box and getting deleted. You know. Yeah. So. People still have very bad habits from years ago because, again, they don't understand the importance of sales coaching. Tony, I know business owners who will spend ten to fifteen thousand pound a year on a business coach, yeah. but they will not spend five hundred pound with me for two hours on coaching. It's incredible. Yeah. They just don't see the value in sales coaching because there's so many bad salespeople out there. Yeah. But the really genuine good ones don't get the attention they deserve. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very, very fair point, actually. I mean, if, if you went back to that first role you had where you were selling, it made me laugh, where you were selling you know, machine guns, um, advertising, um, <laughs> which is just brilliant. I thought people would just say, I'll pay, I'll pay, no matter what, you know? Um, but if you went back, knowing what you know now, what, what advice would you have given your, your own self? Oh, 100%, it would be learn every day. 100%. Yeah. Uh, read books every day. Because at the moment, despite just finishing my 25th year in sales, I read half an hour a day. Yeah. Uh, whenever I'm traveling to see clients, I have probably podcasts on for about 90 minutes a day. Yes. I'll probably travel to see a client once a week. Um, so I have podcast 90 minutes a week, not longer. Uh, when I'm at home doing the cooking and the ironing, I'm really boring. I have podcasts on. Most of my podcasts are like, you know, sales driven. Yeah. So your podcast is excellent. Victor Antonio's podcast is excellent. And then I'll usually listen to like a personal development one like Jay Shetty, uh, one of the top personal development podcasts in the world. In fact, he's yeah. number one in the world now. And he has brilliant guests on. And again, a mixture of sales, personal development, sales, personal development. You can't really go wrong. I still spend half an hour to one hour a day five days a week doing sales and personal development and then saturdays and sundays it's just personal development so you know that, that's really important and despite the fact you know 25 years in sales i'm still learning one hour a day 
because no, that's how I stay in front of my game. That's how I help my clients. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm not used to my clients then. Yeah, I think it's really fair, really good, solid advice, actually. So, Naraj, I mean, you've written two books, you know, Everybody Works in Sales and, and The Easy Guide to Sales for Business Owners. Where can my listeners access those and get some of your great content? Thank you. Uh, there's a couple of places. So, Amazon, you can get Everybody Works in Sales. Bear in mind, this is a self-published book that spent 21 weeks in the Amazon Top 100. That's tenor. That's it. So, for 10 quid, you're going to learn so much. The book is written so people will learn it. So Amazon's the best place for my books. Um, Everybody Works in Sales, my website. There's a recommended reading list. You can get in touch with me there or simply connect with me on LinkedIn. Luckily, there's not that many neurologicals on LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Naraj, I really appreciate you giving up your time today and sharing some really good insights with us. Um, you know, and stay safe in this corona chaos, right? Absolutely. Listen, I wish you the very, very best, Tony, not just with your business, but also your health and your family's health as well. Thank you. Same to you, my friend. Look after yourself. Take care of yourself, Tony. Bye-bye.